Well, good morning. I'm Michael Flake, one of the pastors here. Great to be together as a church family here on the last Sunday of 2018. Whether you are cautious about Jesus, curious about Jesus, or committed to Jesus, there is room for you at Lake Forest Davidson. This is a safe place for you to learn, to grow, and to change. So long as you don't have it all together, you'll fit right in. The round reminds us that our spiritual growth is not just for our own benefit. We're all here to receive something this morning. We also all have something to give as we soak in the grace and truth of God's love. We can also spread that love to one more person. Lindsay already said it, but it bears reiteration just a thank you for our second straight year of a great Missio Day for the holidays as each person kind of picked one or two things to plug in and serve the broader community. It was a beautiful uh, in, in its totality, what we were able to do. And last year we did this quest. It was a different number last year. Uh, I don't remember the number, uh, but it took us about four to five weeks to find those folks to kind of come up. So this year I'm hoping the quest is going to take like three to four weeks. We're going to keep scaling it back a little bit, but we would love for you to find some way to serve in the church. Uh, we love for you to serve beyond the church too, but, but we also love folks to serve in the church and so those 22 people, uh, hope you will be one of them. You can join the more than 50% of the church who serves in one way or another. That would be very, very good. I, I don't, uh, now if you sign up for the Packup team, it doesn't necessarily mean you eventually have to come on staff with our youth ministry. You, there's other ways to join the Packup team, but that's right, Lindsay, I hadn't forgotten that. Lindsay started on the Packup team. That's too funny, but not the only career path possible. You can just be on the pack-up team for how many years now, Andy? 27 years on the pack-up team. Excellent. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> well, well, 2018 is coming to its close. This is one of those Sundays where we like to kind of put a foot in both years, a foot in 2018, but also a foot in 2019, thinking about the year that was and thinking about the year that is to come. So uh, 2018 was sort of a wild year for our church family. A lot happened, a lot changed when we started the year. We had two Sunday worship services every Sunday. Now we have three Sunday worship services every Sunday. When we did the final count, we welcomed 19 babies into the world in 2018. 19. We added three new staff members. We also had five summer staff who, in addition to that, we have 36 new ministry partners in 2018. We saw 14 people baptized in 2018. It's been, a, it's been a wild and fun year for our church family. Maybe the same is true for you. But as with any year, the year is not all roses, right? Uh, we, we lost people we loved in 2018. We, we watch people that we care for deeply struggle in ways that we cannot fix, but we can only walk alongside them. So we continue to walk with folks in those situations. We continue to celebrate and to grieve that people have gone home to live with God. That, that, that 2018 was highs and it was lows. It was ups and it was downs. I, I imagine something similar happened in your life. But we do want to pause for a minute and just think about that. And so we love to have someone share a God story on this Sunday. And so I've asked Hollins to do that. Uh, Hollins Worsley is going to come share God's story in a minute. And we remembered to set up the little thing for you to read off of at this service. I forgot that at the previous uh, service at 9.30. Remembered at 8.15. But the big idea is years are different. Like some years you really start something and it takes a while to play out. Uh, other years 
you're just in the middle of something. And then other years are almost like the end of one chapter and the opening of a new chapter. And that it was one of the, 2018 was that for Hollins, but I don't know what it is for you. But, but the point of all this is we want to reflect on what God has been doing in our lives in 2018, but to look forward to what he might do in 2019 to get us cracking on that. Join me in welcoming Hollins. Thank you. Thank Here's, you so much. It feels very weird to be standing here speaking to you and not hiding behind an entire band of people. Um, so you'll have to bear with me. <laughs> but I'm really excited to share my God story with you this morning. Um, I'm actually going to start uh, when I was 18 years old. So when I was 18 and applying to college, I, like most 18-year-olds, had no idea who I was or who I wanted to be in this life. Um, and I was also extremely underinformed about the college application process. And so I ended up at a school that was not a good fit for me. Um, in the year that I spent at that school, I really struggled to find a spiritual community. And I fell into a lot of habits and patterns of behavior that I'm really not proud of. I lost track of who I was in my identity in Jesus. And when I came home that summer after freshman year, I had this yearning in my spirit. I was really hungry for something new. It was almost like I had trapped myself in this big fortress of fear. And I had built the walls high and thick. And I thought it would keep all the bad stuff out, but really it just kept me trapped inside. And to be totally honest, I didn't walk into that summer begging God to move in my life. I didn't ask him to throw me a curveball or pull me into something new. But one night, I somehow ended up at Waffle House at 2 a.m. <laughs> with some Davidson College Young Life leaders that I had just started hanging out with. And God chose that night in my life at Waffle House at 2 a.m. to change my life forever. They invited me to come as a guest leader to summer camp in Colorado with six freshman girls from a local high school. And in all honesty, I really did not want to go. Like, really, really, really didn't want to go. Um, I was scared. I didn't even think about it. I just kind of blocked it out of my mind. Um, but there was some sort of pull in my heart that I just couldn't ignore. And so somehow, about three weeks later, I ended up on this bus with 80 high school students on the way to Colorado. <laughs> and it was there, sitting on the side of this beautiful mountain, that I heard God speak to me. And God's voice didn't come like, you know, Morgan Freeman's voice from a cloud with a beam of sunlight, like, Hollins, do this. You know, like, it wasn't like that at all. Instead, it came like a gentle but firm whisper in my heart. And it just said, this is what I have for you. This is what I have for you. And I knew in my heart in that moment with total certainty that the Lord was calling me to come home to Davidson and to be a young life leader. And I had never been more sure of anything in my whole life. However, just because I was totally sure doesn't mean that I wasn't also totally terrified. <laughs> um, coming home to be a Young Life leader meant dropping out of school, leaving behind the community that I was struggling to build, um, jumping into a group of people that I didn't know, just a lot of change and risk. And it honestly meant going against what every adult worldly voice was telling me, which was, you know, this isn't right or this isn't responsible. Um, so I decided to make a bargain with God, which looking back was pretty naive, but God humored me. And so I said, God, I will drop out of school, move home, and become a Young Life leader, but you have to get me into Davidson College. <laughs> I know I'll never get in my, on my own, so you have to do it for me. And that was our bargain. And it felt like an impossible ask, honestly. It felt like I was asking God to do something that just sounded crazy. 
but I trusted God just enough to let him take the reins. And after six months of stalking the admissions department and auditing classes on campus and leading Young Life, I learned that nothing we ask of Jesus is too big or too much. He is more than faithful to go with us wherever he calls us and to prepare a way through the wilderness. I was one of three students admitted to Davidson that year and the first ever class of mid-year transfers in their almost 200-year history. I spent the next three years at a school that I absolutely loved, and I actually graduated on time this past May. And those Young Life leaders from Waffle House are now my dearest soul-level friends in this world, and one of them is actually my boyfriend of almost four years. So that was unexpected. <laughs> they are the community that I was really longing for when I came home from school that summer. And God gave me immeasurably more than I ever could have asked or imagined when I left what was safe and controllable and stepped out into the unknown to follow him. He didn't just provide for my needs. He gave me the desires of my heart. He who promised is faithful. He's faithful to me, and he will be faithful to you too. Thank you for listening to my story this morning. Well, earlier this year, I preached a sermon. Actually, I preached a lot of sermons, uh, but I preached a sermon on the book of Jonah. If you've been here for a while, you may remember we started our year studying the book of the Old Testament called Jonah. We went from there into looking at um, how Jesus met people at their point of need. We went from there to how people grow spiritually by looking at the original Christians then we studied the person and work of God, the Holy Spirit. Then some of the major themes of the book of Proverbs. We went from there to uh, biblical principles for healthy relationships. From there we read and studied together the book of 1 John. And then we looked at how Jesus uh, redefines our view of work and how he is ultimately the completion of our need for hope, peace, joy, and love. Does any of that sound familiar? If you have never been here before, it does not have to sound familiar, but if you have been here at all in the past year, hopefully something in there sounds familiar. It was not a bad year, but I would like to wrap up 2018 the same way I started it, and that is by reflecting on the first three verses of the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Jonah's an Old Testament book. If you want to hear the full sermon, you can go back and listen to that, but this is sort of a riff on where we started, ending where we started. And if you don't have a Bible, you're always free to take the one in the chair as our gift to you. So on our honeymoon, my wife Mandy and I were in San Francisco. She grew up in that part of the country, and we used a friend's hotel points to stay in this really fancy hotel down by the uh, Fisherman's Wharf, and I walked in looking like well, you know, like I just come from the Union Mission, but because we were on a friend's hotel points, they thought we were some kind of like golden platinum medallion people. And so they gave us like the extra special introduction. So the lady behind the front desk handed us a map of downtown and circled all the touristy places and how to get there. And then she added, and as with any city, there are a few places where you don't want to go. And she circled three places on the map and put big X's through them. And she said, don't go there. Now, I don't know if you're anything like me, 
But after that conversation, there were three places in San Francisco that I really wanted to go. But in the end, we decided not to. We went to the In-N-Out Burger instead. Plus, she had said, don't go there. Now, we use that same expression in our own lives, right? When someone starts talking about you or a subject that you don't want to talk about or an area of life that's sort of off limits, you say some version of, I say some version of, don't go there. This is my life, and there are all kind of beautiful, wonderful things to see, but there are a few areas circled with X's through them. Don't go there. The point of the Old Testament book of Jonah is, what if God wants to go there? What if God does some of God's best work when you and I are outside of where we feel comfortable? So if you've been part of our church family for all of 2018, if you in fact remember the first sermon of 2018 and you remember my little story about going to San Francisco, I, I just pulled it from that sermon, have you seen God work in your life in 2018? Have you seen God push you outside of where you feel comfortable in 2018? Have you seen God call you out of where you feel comfortable in 2018? And have you grown in that process? If you're newer to our church family, what if this is what God plans to do in your life in 2019? What if God plans to go there? What if God is going to push you beyond where you feel comfortable to the point that you will have to trust Him, you will have to rely on Him, you will have to believe that He is trustworthy and that your life is better off in His hands than in your own hands. Some of the themes we heard in Holland's God story. This gets us to Jonah, chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. So, so the book starts off by saying that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. It doesn't say exactly how this happened, but Jonah became convinced deep in his soul that there was something he was supposed to do. God may have spoken it audibly to him, or he may have just impressed it deep upon him, but Jonah is clear he is supposed to do something, and it is from God, and this is the instruction. Verse 2, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. Because its wickedness has come up before me. So what is Nineveh? Where is Nineveh? Is it north of Statesville? Can't ever keep the geography up there straight. Nineveh, most people think, would be in the modern country of Iraq. But at the time of Jonah, Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. And it was a big city. It was a huge city. That's what the Bible means when it says it was a great city. It's not a travel brochure for the city of Nineveh. It means it's a big city. It's a huge city. It was the capital of the Assyrian Empire. You remember that period of history where every few hundred years somebody else took over the known world? Well, Assyria was one of those groups. Assyria was known for their violent conquest of people. It was known for the violence with which it kept conquered people under containment. And its capital was Nineveh. Now, Jonah is one of those conquered people. Jonah's an Israelite. He's one of the conquered people. And here's God telling him, go to Nineveh. Go to the capital of this violent empire that has conquered you and held you and oppressed you. Go to Nineveh. And Jonah essentially says, 
don't go there. Don't go there. Verse 3, Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. So God says, go to Nineveh, and Jonah says, nah. It's in his name, nah. He bolts, he flees. Nineveh is to his east, he goes west. He finds a port city of Joppa, he gets on a boat, he goes further west to Tarshish, which could refer to Turkey, or more likely it refers to Spain. Perhaps a very professionally drawn map will help you understand all this. So there's Jonah. He's not to scale. God has told him to go to Nineveh. Nineveh is to his east, but he goes west to the port city of Joppa. He gets in a boat out into the Mediterranean Sea and goes further west to Tarshish. The point being, he's literally going the wrong direction. And the Bible describes this as Jonah running away from God. Not Jonah running away from God's commandment, but running away from God. Now, if you were here and you remember, the rest of the book is about how God doesn't give up on Jonah. How God gives Jonah countless second chances and how God is teaching Jonah lessons at every step along the way. But at this point in the book, Jonah is running away from God. And can you blame Jonah? Because God said, go to Nineveh. Nineveh represents all the cruelties of a cruel empire. I mean, since Jonah was a little boy, don't you imagine he had been told stories about how horrible the people in Nineveh are? Don't you imagine he played games as a kid where the Ninevites were the bad guys? The introduction to Jonah suggests that God is going to push us. God is going to push us beyond where we are right now. God is going to push us beyond where we feel comfortable. God is going to push us to consider how far His love extends. God is going to push us to confront our own desire that God's love would not extend to those people or that place or that person. So again, God is going to push us beyond where we are right now, beyond where we feel comfortable to consider the full extent of His love. How far does God's love extend? God's going to push us to confront the part of us that wants certain people to be beyond the reach of His grace. God says, go to Nineveh. This actually echoes something that Jesus said. One of Jesus' final words to His disciples is in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. And it says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So Jesus, these are some of his final words to his first disciples. They are often called the Great Commission. So that if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, or if you ever become a follower of Jesus... Jesus has sent you on a mission, and the mission is simply stated to make more and better disciples. It's the more and better mission, more and better, 
more and better followers of Jesus, more and better disciples of Jesus. Jesus says that God's family is going to cut across all the lines that currently divide our world. And when we see how the Christian faith is flourishing around the globe, we begin to see the fulfillment of what Jesus said, that God's family is full of people who don't just fill their minds with information, but in fact live different lives because of the power of God who lives in us. So Jesus gives his commission, his mission to his followers. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you ever become a follower of Jesus, Jesus has sent you on a mission, a mission of making more and better disciples. But then there's that last little line, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Why does Jesus say that? Why throw that part in? If all Jesus means by this more and better mission is that we're supposed to like go back to our lives as we know it, go back to bridge club, but now we have to say praise God if we get a good hand, or give the point if you get a good hand, yes, thank you God, which is terrible strategy in a card game, by the way, to give away that you have a good hand. If that's all that Jesus means by this more and better mission, why would he promise to be with us always? Right? I'm pretty sure I can take care of that part. Now, nothing against Bridge Club or giving the point when you get a good hand. But if that's all that Jesus means by the more and better mission, why would he promise to always be with us? It seems to me that God is going to push us outside of where we are comfortable. That Jesus promises he'll always be with us because this more and better disciples thing is going to push us beyond what we know. It's going to push us beyond the world where we feel comfortable. It's going to push us into unknown territory. It's going to push us into territory that will challenge us. Territory that will challenge us to change. Challenge us to confront our own biases. Challenge us to maybe even see the world differently. Challenge us to see our lives differently. Challenge us to think about our purpose or our reason for being differently. So when you hear one, hear the other. Go to Nineveh. Go make more and better disciples. God is pushing us into unknown territory. But don't be afraid. I don't know if you've ever figured this out about the Bible. It seems every time angels show up, they start with, don't be afraid. Right? Like you and I say, hello. Angels say, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because the one who is pushing you into the unknown will also walk with you every step of the way. And so my question for us to reflect on together as I start to bring this sermon uh, to a close, I got a little bit more, but this is the question I want us to reflect on. As we enter 2019, what does Jesus' mission of making more and better disciples mean for you? As we enter 2019, what does Jesus' mission of making more and better disciples mean for you? Jesus' point is, uh, this is what God is doing in the world. Figure out who God is. Figure out what God is doing. That will help you figure out who you are and what you should be doing. 
right? This is the wave, and then you and I figure out if we're going to ride the wave or fight the wave. Didn't expect a surfing analogy this morning, but just came out. There it was. This is the wave. Are we going to ride the wave or are we going to fight the wave? And the wave, Jesus says, is that God is making more and better disciples of Jesus. So, what does that mean for us? It seems to me there's kind of four general ways we could respond. We've got more and better, and then we could think about what more and better means for me or what more and better means for other people through me. What does more and better mean for me? What, what, what does more and better mean for other people through me? So that kind of gives me four general responses I'm going to walk through quickly. And I just ask you, does one or more of these jump out to you? As I think that's where God is calling me. I think that would be my next step into the scary, into the unknown, knowing that God walks with me. So maybe your response, for instance, would be to become a disciple of Jesus, that you would become the more disciple. Some of us are exploring Jesus. Some of us are trying to figure out who Jesus is. But the thing that really holds us back from committing our lives to him is that we don't know how it's going to turn out. We, we can't chart every step from that decision. And, and you're correct. You cannot chart every step from that decision. But because it's a relationship that we have with God through Jesus Christ, we don't have to chart out every decision. We have to chart out, is this the person I want to, to walk into the unknown with? That's how friendships work. That's how marriages work. It's actually how relationship with God works. It's not that you can chart out every point, but is this the person I want in that place in my life and for God in the center of my life? So for 2019, that may be what it is for you to, to continue in your search, but even to reach a decision point of saying, all right, am I going to follow Jesus? For you, the, the step may be to become a better disciple of Jesus, that you will become the better disciple of Jesus. You may be a Christian, but you haven't grown very much, or you may be a Christian who's just hit a dry spell in your own personal faith. And this year is really a year where you need to plant yourself, uh, be a tree that plants yourself by a river is one of the analogies the Bible uses. You need to plant yourself in a church family, whether this or some other church family, so that you can serve other people, so that you can uh, study the Bible with other people or be in a, a community group with other people, be held accountable. That's not just bad, that's also the good, the encouragement side to keep growing in your faith, to, to go with a friend and help you pick out a devotional or, or a Bible that you can read or something that will help you to become, or maybe multiple things, <laughs> that you can become a better disciple. So those are kind of the top, more disciple for me, better disciple for me, but there's also what God might do through us. How might God work through us to make more disciples of Jesus? Now, this does not mean you're supposed to go out and save the world. The world already has a Savior. That position is no longer listed. But, but you can be part of what God is doing, and we often talk about this as one more person, that God often puts a one more person in your life because God's family grows one more person at a time. And maybe the step for you, the scary or uncomfortable step for you in 2019, is to be a trusted 
guide to someone on a spiritual journey. Because the spiritual journey is hard and it's confusing, and if you Google some things, you can get totally confused. You need a trusted guide to help you. Maybe that's what God's calling you to, to look again at a relationship that you have with a coworker or a neighbor or a family member or a friend, and to realize their hunger for God is bubbling up and God has placed you in their life for a reason. You don't need to be pushy or a jerk or anything like that. In fact, please don't. But you can be a trusted guide. The last one would be maybe to help others become better disciples of Jesus. That out of the overflow of what God is doing in your life, you want to help other people grow closer to God. You can do that in your neighborhood. You can do that... uh, at work. You you can do that in our church. We always need new people to teach studies and to lead community groups. But the idea would be to take what God is doing in your life and have it benefit other people as well so that they could be drawn in closer to God because of a willingness you have or a gift that you have or simply that God's doing great things in your life and you want to share it with other people. So does that kind of make sense? More and better what it can mean for you, what it can mean for others through you. I see people nodding. That's good. The people at 815 understood it. So if they got it, y'all had like two extra hours of sleep than them. So I think y'all got it too. That's good. My prayer is that by God's grace and with God's help, you and I will step outside of the world where we feel comfortable. We will walk with God into the unknown. And what we will find is that God has already been in Nineveh just waiting for us to arrive. Let's pray together. Let me give you a chance to pray, to talk to God or to listen to God. about whatever it is he's stirring in your heart or stirring in your mind. We're here on the Sunday where we have one foot in 2018 and one foot in 2019. So just use this moment for personal prayer. Lord, I thank you for giving us a purpose. I thank you for giving that deep kind of meaning to our lives. I thank you that you will receive us in whatever condition our life is in. 
And at the same time, you will lift our eyes to something greater. You will call us to something higher than where we are right now. And so, Lord, I pray you would do that for each one of us here in this room. That in the year ahead, our lives would become more about you and less about us. And that as we do that, we'll realize we are in fact living a greater life than we were when we held on so tight. Lord, I pray you'd give us clarity about what you're calling us to do. And as we walk through this year ahead, I pray we'd walk with you through good times, through bad times, through joy, through heartbreak, through laughter, into the unknown. Lord, for some of us, this is a point in our lives where we truly need to draw a line and say, I have tried to live my way up until this point, but moving forward, I need to place my, life's, my life in the hand of Jesus so that I might live a different kind of life, a life reconciled to God. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship God with our voices, with our offering, and with our prayer requests.